Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life-giving and life-changing. Take care. We're in the midst of a series called I See a Church. It's a vision series. It's a series that talks about our preferred future, what God has placed on our hearts as a team, as a staff, as a church. We have a future ahead of us. And that's one of the beautiful things about what's going on here at Journey Church Ventura, is that we're not slowing down. We're not stopping. We're not hitting brakes. We're not um, trying to, to just deal with COVID. No, we're, we have a community that does not know Jesus. And um, we have uh, plenty of people in, in our community that need to hear the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And it happens through you and through me. And so we're going to do everything we can to reach this community for Christ. And I'll, re- I'll remind you what we talked about last week. We talked about, I see a church that is irresistible. That is a, 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 we have an irresistible Jesus and there's no reason we should not be an irresistible church, right? If we are being Jesus to this world, um, Jesus is irresistible. Publicans and sinners, tax collectors and sinners wanted to hang out with them, all right? The religious didn't want to hang out with them, okay? So if you have a problem with Jesus, it might be that, not that, you're, uh, that, that you don't uh, have a relationship with him. It might be that you are religious instead of having a relationship with him. And so uh, you don't want to be that. You don't want to be that Pharisee or that Sadducee or that religious person that's always looking down your nose at people. You want to be that person that is excited about who Jesus is. And when we are that, when we are that, then we uh, become irresistible. When we create an environment and we create environments in our building, create environments in our world, in our lifestyle, then Jesus is irresistible and people are going to come and they want to be a part of something that Jesus is. And so uh, that's exciting. We have a passion verse. This passion verse is Romans 15, 20 through 22. And it says this, it has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, it is written, those who were not told about him will see and those who have not heard will understand. This is why I have often been hindered from coming to you. I love this statement that Paul wrote to the, to the Romans. And he said, Romans, I, I, I planted you as a church. I'm excited to be with you. I want to hang out with you. But one of the most important priorities in my life is not the, 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 the issue of um, being with Christians. He said, I must be with those who have not yet heard the gospel. That's why I've been hindered from coming to you. That's why I, wasn't, that's why I didn't show up. That's why, and I, I said this last week. If you call me and you say, hey, pastor, I've got a buddy of mine that does not know Jesus. I'm entering into his journey and I want to watch football with him this weekend. He's invited me over and I can't be at church because it's a 10 o'clock game. I'm like, you go watch football with your buddy because Jesus in his house is going to be better than Jesus in this house. Right? Yeah. I know that's hard to clap for. I mean, that's kind of a little different, but at the same time, and then eventually you can say, hey, there's a one o'clock game for your game. Why don't you come to church and then let's go watch uh, and, and, and come with me to church and then we'll go watch the game together. That's how you enter into the journeys. It's a mix. It's a mix of commitment. It's a mix of making sure that we go and we be, become a part of that journey. And so I encourage you to do that. I encourage you. If you're not here, the assumption is, is that you're somewhere else with someone else who you're entering the journey of. And it's a powerful, powerful way to make a difference in life. Amen? Amen. All right. 
All right, and if you're online, you guys can do this at home. Just bring people into your house. Well, that's, you're not supposed to do that right now. So um, <clears throat> I'm winking, okay? I'm winking. If you can't tell, I'm not squinting because of the sun, all right? <clears throat> Vision is a preferred future. It's what we want to have happen, not what's happening now, but what's going to happen in the future. And I believe that in February of 20, February 21st of, of 21, 22121, that's the one you want to remember, 22121, we are going to see a great explosion of growth in our church. I believe that. Do you believe that? Will you believe that with me? Will you pray for that with me? And so we're talking about these, these vision statements, what we call a vision narrative, a, a, a statements that make clear what we want to see. And so I'm going to share with you today the, the power of vision for our children, for our children. So here's, here's what the vision statement says. I see a church full of children. Huh? Are you go, good with that? Okay. I know that didn't sound profound, but it is. And you'll understand why at the end of this message. I see a church full of children, one that partners with parents to disciple their children. A church who is committed to give parents the tools necessary to develop fully equipped disciples of Jesus. I see a church who provides the best environment possible for kids and students to learn about Jesus. An environment where kids and students beg their friends and family to come because it is irresistible. That's something we want at our church. We want, we want kids going on Sunday morning going, Mom, Dad, wake up. We got to get to the harbor. We've got to get to the kids ministry, to Journey Kids, because that is the place to be on Sunday mornings. And it is a great place. And that's what we're developing. If you haven't seen our environment, it's called the harbor. It's all designed in um, harbor type of imagery, uh, like a pier. Is you're walking into a pier and then there's all kinds of, of, of boating and all kinds of things. Our, our, uh, Rebecca's called Captain Rebecca. And then there's first mates that help uh, in, as volunteers. And there's all kinds of language. And uh, it's, it's very, very cool. And so the last, the last vision piece that I'd like to share with you is simply this. I see a church who is preparing the next generation to carry on the mission of God by living the bold example of mission-centered leadership and practice. A church that provides a practical path of education and experience for the next generation of world changers through university-level education and practicums. We see an opportunity to train up students, young adults who will carry on the mission. My passion as your pastor is to not become the pastor that once I leave, everything else falls apart. There's churches out there that are built around a personality. There's churches that are built around an individual. And that's not my plan. That's not the, the plan of God. The plan of God is to do exactly what Jesus did, which was raise up disciples that are passionate about following after Jesus and taking the mission and the mantle of ministry and carrying it into the world. And that's our passion. That's our desire. And that's what we're going to do in the coming years as we begin to develop a, 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 an internship program, uh, an on-site university program where people can get their degrees in ministry and move forward in their training and experience in doing ministry together. So I'm very, very excited about that. So <clears throat> you've heard kids say crazy things, right? 
I, I was asking the staff this week, and one of our staff members mentioned this story. They were walking through the parking lot of Walmart in Ventura, and one of their children said this. Uh, he was looking at the cars, and uh, he said, Mom, look at the hooker. It's that Walmart in Ventura. And uh, not really paying attention, she, she said, the hooker? And he said, uh, look, there's another hooker. And her son is pointing out these, in his mind, hookers. And uh, <clears throat> then she said, wait, what are you saying? And he said, the hookers, like when Papa hooks up the boat. She said, oh, you mean the hitch. You mean the hitch on the, not the hooker. Kids say the craziest things. Another, another story goes like this. My son was sitting on my lap and pointed to my face and started counting one, two, three, four. And the father said, what are you doing? And he said, oh, I'm just counting your chins. You have four. Kids kind of make you want to maybe not disciple them. Just take them out real quick. No, um, my daughter, when she was young, we were in, in, a, in a city in uh, Marysville, Washington, where we were lead pastors, and we were an Assembly of God church, and she knew that. And so we drove by another Assembly of God church that was named First Assembly of God. And so she, in her mind, said, then, Daddy, are we zero Assembly of God? Uh, because she refused to be second to anybody and w would insist that we were zero Assembly, not First Assembly. And then um, the last one said this, uh, I, this one parent asked their kids to come up with ideas to save money for our trip to Disneyland. And uh, their seven-year-old said, uh, seven-year-old daughter said, you and daddy need to work harder and earn more money. That's the way to save money to Disneyland. Kids, kids are awesome. I love, I have five grandkids, four of them born and one more on the way. And uh, I don't know how many more after that, but five would be plenty at this point. <clears throat> if not, I need a fundraiser. <laughs> so, um, with five grandchildren. In Ventura County alone, there's 194,310 kids from zero to 17. Almost 200,000 students. Statistics say that 80, 80 to 85% of all people who will accept Jesus will likely do so before they become an adult. And so that group of people is the ripest group of people to reach for the, with the gospel. Students and children are tender. Their, their, their belief systems are shaping. And even the, the younger they go, the more likely they are to accept Jesus as opposed to the older, especially in today's culture where schools are taking God out of the conversation and even becoming anti-God. And so uh, there's a, a tremendous opportunity in Ventura County alone, in Ventura City alone, there's 24,000 students. 24,000, 0 to 17, um, just in the city of Ventura. So that tells us many different things, those statistics. It means that there are a lot of kids available. There are young parents that are out there um, that we need to reach and touch and, and, and shape our ministry 
in relationship to their needs and to help them and, and partner with parents who are raising up these children. Because I, I don't know about you, but when I was a parent, every resource I could get my hand on was at least helpful. I did learn one thing. There was no one book that would solve my parenting issues with my daughters. Because each little uh, child is different. Now there are good principles to learn, but each child is different. And so we must, we must do everything we can to help parents, give parents tools and abilities that uh, allow them to help parent their, their children. And if we do that, we not only help parents understand children better and, and how to parent their children better, but we give the opportunity for these parents not, not only to parent, but to disciple to create disciples of children so that children can understand who Jesus is. As young as two and three and four, they're learning all kinds of things. There's no reason they can't learn about Jesus. There's no reason they can't accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. <clears throat> There's a statistic out that says 58% of highly engaged parents choose a church with their kids in mind. 58%. So the majority of parents will choose a church, not because of what I'm doing on the stage right now, not, not because of what uh, we do out, uh, what kind of coffee we have, or what kind of music we play. It's because of the quality and value that we place on children. So the majority of parents out there are looking for a place for children to be ministered to and to touch. The one thing that we won't become, and I will fight against, is becoming surrogate parents. We're, we're not the substitute for parenting. We're not the substitute for discipling children who, uh, when uh, parents are to be those disciples. Now that doesn't take away from parents who refuse to disciple their kids. We will do everything we can to reach these young hearts. But we want to encourage and partner with parents. Our, our curriculum that we have uh, that's called Orange is designed specifically for that. And this is why one of the reasons I'm very committed to this cause is because uh, we call it Orange because if you mix yellow and red together, and I can't remember which one's which, but if you mix yellow, the parenting, and red, the church, together, then you have Orange. And a result of that is quality disciples of little hearts. And that's powerful. That's a powerful opportunity to see us do something significant in reaching the 24,000 or the 200,000 kids that are within our reach here in Ventura County. And I'm excited about that. There's a statement from a, a researcher. His name is George Barna. And he did this research and it says this, the post-truth world they inhabit will no longer... Uh, no longer shares the same moral principles or society values, leading to a more relativistic worldview among teens and a growing religious apathy. Christianity today has less influence on Gen Z, which is this young teenage generation and below. Christianity today has less influence on Gen Z than on any previous generation. That breaks my heart. That breaks my heart. That means we have an uphill battle to fight because we are less influential in their lives today, at least according to um, the research. <clears throat> Through Barna's other research, we see that parents, especially engaged parents, are eager for their children to develop a lasting faith. Yet, 
Many lack clarity on how to disciple their children well in a decidedly post-Christian context. And that last statement is why we must be passionate about helping parents, partnering with parents, becoming disciple makers. And helping parents do that. Listen to that last statement. Yet many lack clarity on how to disciple their children well in a decidedly post-Christian context. So parents are looking for ways to disciple their children or their grandchildren. I have a passion for my grandkids to know Jesus and most importantly know my story, how Jesus has made a difference in my life. And I believe that if they know that, it will make a difference in their lives and in their in their children's lives and in their children's lives. We have an opportunity, church, to affect generations beyond us if we will just make a commitment to seeing a church full of children. Amen? Amen. Let me illustrate to you what happens when a generation does not share their story of faith with the next generation. In Judges chapter 2, in the book of Judges, it says this. And this starts with verse 6. So Judges chapter 2, verse 6 says this. After Joshua had dismissed the Israelites, they went to take possession of the land, each to their own inheritance. So he sent all the Israelites out to take possession of the particular parts of land that they were supposed to occupy. The people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who had seen all the great things the Lord has done for Israel. So there was a whole group of people of Israelites that went and lived and served God because of what they had seen and because they had a great leader to lead them. Okay? Now the tragedy is this, is that something happened next that is, is uh, what, what we have to push against, what we have to war against, in my opinion, and commit to beyond uh, our imaginations. In verse 8 it says this, Joshua son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. So he lived a good long life. And they buried him in the land of his inheritance at Timnath, Harry's in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. One of the realities that we have to face, and maybe you face this on your own, is that we're going to pass away. I don't like that idea. I love the idea that I'm going to someday go be with the Lord. I love that. But I'm going to miss my, I don't know how it's all going to work, but I can't imagine not being with my family. Or my family not being with me. They, they absolutely love me. No, I, just, I, I think, I hope, I pray. But there's a reality that we have to accept. And that is someday we are going to pass away. And someday my kids and my grandkids are going to have to live without my influence. Without my voice. And what I hope and pray is that my voice will still ring in their heads after I'm gone. But here's what happened in this context. Verse 10 says, after, the whole, after that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, so everybody passed away from that generation, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. What an absolute tragedy. What an absolute tragedy that 
the, the, this, let's just call us this generation, forgets to share the story of faith with the next generation. That leaves this next generation empty. That leaves this next generation without the message that God is all-powerful, he's all-knowing, he's grace-filled, he died on a cross, he, he rose again, and he promises eternal life to our lives if we will just repent of our sin and accept him as our Lord and Savior. And for those of us where that has happened, that must become the bell that we continue to ring so loud for our children, for our grandchildren, and for their children so that they know what has happened. Because if, if, if we're like this generation, we don't want the, genera the next generation to forget. We don't want the next generation not to know. In this case, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord know what he had, nor what he had done for Israel. So what happened at the dinner table? What happened? Was there no conversation about what Jesus does, what God did in their lives? Hey, did you guys hear about when Moses uh, uh, put out his staff and, and, and the Red Sea spread apart and all the Israelites came across the Red Sea and the, the, the Egyptians were swallowed up by the sea? That story was never told. That story was never told. Did, did you hear about the, the, the time when, when uh, we didn't have any food and all of a sudden pheasant and manna came from heaven and we ate and we were given enough food just for each day. And God provided that food for each day. Those stories were never told. And as a result, there was a generation that, knew, that did not know God nor what he had done for Israel. And if we put that in our context and we look at the generation behind us, do they know that 2,000 years ago Jesus died and rose again? Do they know that that impacted my life today? That in July of 1979, I, sitting in the back of a church, after attending church all my life, found my way to Jesus and I accepted Jesus Christ that day. And he came in and forgave me of my sin. And he set me free. And he called me to ministry. And today I'm committed to the cause of helping people know Jesus. What, what are we committed to? What are we, what are we telling the next generation the story? If we don't, then this is what happens in verse 11. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. They forsook the Lord and God and the God of their ancestors who brought them out of Egypt, they followed and worshiped various gods of the peoples around them. If you look at our generation today, if you look at our, uh, our youth, if you look at our students today, what is happening? God has been removed from the schools. God has been removed from the story of our history. God, even this, to this moment, our history is being rewritten our country's history, and anything is being taken away. And, and the result is that the, the world, our, our youth, are giving themselves to the world. Why? Because they don't know any different. They haven't been taught any different. And parents are hesitant or neglectful or whatever the case may be. Or they just don't know how to do it. 
And maybe there's not enough churches that are saying we're going to be all about kids. Kids are going to be everything that we give our energy to and our students and all these people. And we're going to raise up a generation of warriors for God. And that's what we must do. We must do. Or we will face what the, the Israelites are facing. They, will, uh, they did evil in the eyes of the Lord. They forsook the Lord and the God, of, the God of their ancestors who brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshiped various gods of the peoples around them. This is something we cannot do. It's a sin for our generation not to share with the next generation the gospel of Jesus Christ and what God has done for us. The passage continues on in verse 12. They aroused the Lord's anger because they forsook him and served Baal and the Asherahs. In his anger against Israel, the Lord gave them into the hands of raiders who plundered them. He sold them into the hands of the enemies all around whom they were no longer able to resist. So what happens is when people don't serve Jesus and they begin to sin, sin doesn't make God happy. And God is never going to be passive about it. He's never going to go, oh, it's okay. You go worship that Baal God. You go worship that sex God, Ashtoreth. You go worship that. And when you do, God isn't going to go, it's all right. They didn't know any better. No, it's going to tick him off. It's going to make him mad and he's not going to put up with it. And he's going to let the sin have its consequence. And that consequence is when it's given over to another, a, another group of people who lead them in the wrong direction. In church today, we have to realize that our students, our kids, are, are not only susceptible to not knowing and understanding what God can do for their lives, but they're also going to find out what God will do with their lives when they're, when they're captured in sin. He will judge. He will allow that generation of people to, to deal with its consequence. And that's what happened with the Israelites. They were given over to slaves and to the, to the control and, and to the uh, oppression of, of the people that did not follow God. And that's a tragedy because today, if we allow our students to do that, they will fall into the hands of people who will not lead them to God, but lead them to destruction. The devil's intent is to do nothing but steal, kill, and destroy. And if he can do that, then, and, and if we remove God from the, 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 the uh, equation, then the result will be tragic. The result will be tragic. We can't make God mad by forgetting to share with the generation what, what God is able to do. We can please him by raising up a generation of people, a generation of kids and students who love God with their whole heart and are willing to follow him. That's why you and I, one of my commitments as a 59-year-old pastor is to model the example of what it means to follow after God with my whole heart, with my whole life, and do whatever it takes. That's why we're sitting in chairs right now, is because I'm committed to give us the best experience so that we can experience God at the best possible level, so that we can walk away from here going, I'm inspired to follow Jesus with my whole life. And we'll do whatever. We'll do whatever. We'll set up as many chairs as we have to do. We'll, 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 we'll do whatever it takes to get the, the gospel out. And we'll do whatever it takes to inspire his church to grow and to commit and to, do, uh, to reach our, our young people. In verse 15, it says this. It says, whenever Israel went out to fight, the hand of the Lord was against them to defeat them. 
just as he had sworn to them, they were in great distress. He told them that if you fall into sin, I will not be in favor of you. I will not let you grow comfortable in your sin. And the result was God was against them. And they were held captive by, their, by, by other people that were not in control or had not, had, didn't have their best interests in mind. Here's the truth, parent. The easy route is the only route when you don't know there is another route that is a better route. Can I say that again? The easy route is the only route when you don't know there is another route that is a better route. Okay? Parents want, I, I get it, it's work, man. It is work to be a parent. It's work to pray. It's work to, for you to be discipled. For you to have an understanding of your faith. And it's work to share that. And it's work to sit down and remember at dinner table, not, not just to talk about the food you're eating, but the faith that you're expressing. Or who provided that food. Or the stories of faith. Those are good times. Thanksgiving should be just a good time of sharing some good faith stories. Here's what I'm thankful for. Jesus delivered me from sin. Even when you were saved at five, Jesus delivered you from an addiction to M&Ms. Whatever it takes. You know, whatever it takes to, to share that Jesus has made a difference. Don't take the easy route because there's a better route. And we have to raise up a children's ministry that partners with parents that says, here's the route you can take. Here are the tools you can use to raise up a generation full of the gospel message of Jesus Christ. George Orwell wrote this in his book, 1984. And let's never forget it. Who controls the past controls the future. Who controls the present controls the past. Once they got in control of the present, both Hitler and Stalin rewrote past history so they could control future events. And for a time, it worked. Now, I'm not making a political statement. This is, this is a... a, a godly principle that we cannot let someone who is going to rewrite the past and, and take God out of it, we cannot let them control the discipleship of our students and our children. We have to know that even though that might be taught in schools, even though that might be taught in places we have no control over, we do have control over our dinner table. We do have control over our, our nighttime stories. We do have control over whatever it takes. We do have control on what we do on Sunday mornings. And when there's a, a harbor that's over there doing amazing things, we have the best. And I'm convinced of this and I'm not, yes, I am competitive. But we have the best children's director in the city in my opinion right now. And I'm not putting down anybody else because I don't know everybody else. So I'm making a big statement. But Rebecca Ayala is the right person to lead us and guide us in the direction that we need to go for our children's ministry. And I'm super excited about her involvement in our lives. So what you've just seen in scripture is also true in today's context. That if we don't share the story, if we don't raise up a generation of people, of students and children who know what Jesus can do for their lives, then they will be given over to the enemy. And we cannot let that happen. And I'm talking about the devil. I'm not talking about individuals. I'm talking about the devil. The devil will take their hearts and will do whatever he wants with them. And his only goal is to steal, kill, and destroy their lives. And we cannot let that happen. 
I believe today is a day where you and I have to commit and say we will do whatever it takes to help parents, to partner with parents and help them know how to make disciples of their children. We don't want to become surrogate parents in that regard. We will, we will help any, any child, of course, but we don't want to become surrogate parents. We want to become partners with parents. Enabling them and giving them the tools to do whatever it takes to disciple their children. And I'm asking all of us to make a commitment to that same cause. The vision statement goes like this. I see a church full of children. You see how, how important that is? I see a church full of children, one that partners with parents to disciple their children, a church who is committed to give parents the tools necessary to develop fully equipped disciples of Jesus. I see a church who provides the best environment possible for kids and students to learn about Jesus, an environment where kids and students beg their friends and family to come because it is irresistible. I talked about being irresistible. We want to create environments where kids just go, I got to get there. If you walk into that, that environment right now, you'll see video games against the wall. You'll see uh, Rebecca had a big beach ball today that she's playing with and cool things in there. Those are only things that kind of suck them in. And then we get the opportunity to disciple them, give them tools. And then we send home parenting tools tools that parents can use. If you're online, you can go online and get all these tools at your fingertips and use them all during the week to share stories and to create values and to develop the hearts of these little children in your home. And they're available to all of us here on site, online, whatever. We're making these tools available. I see a church who is preparing the next generation to carry on the mission of God by living the bold example of mission-centered leadership and practice. A church that provides a practical path of education and experience for the next generation of world changers through university level education and practicum. Here's the reality. We want to leave a legacy of faith. A legacy of faith. We must partner with parents, helping them develop their children. We must tell our story of faith and make sure that all our kids remember who God is and know what he has done to save us and to redeem us and to help us in our daily living. He's involved in your daily life. And we must prioritize kids and do all we can to help them know and remember Jesus. Our budget will, re will prioritize kids. Our calendar will prioritize kids. Our building space will prioritize kids. We'll always make kids a priority. And we must example to them what it means to live and love by faith. Here's the call. One, I want to encourage you, if, if you feel called to, to be involved in children's ministry, let us know. You can let us know online. You can let uh, Rebecca know. You can let any of us know. And we'd be happy to help plug you in. Secondly, I want to encourage you to um, give. Give to children. Right now, our vision for 2-21-21 is uh, $15,000 for children's ministry alone. That will help us uh, continue to build our, our supplies, our, our, um, our structure in there, and some training that is needed. And so $15,000 that we would like to raise by 221-21. We have another amount of money that I'll talk about next week that we want to raise for the continuing vision of Journey Church Ventura to help us reach this community. And then lastly, I want to ask you this. We must live a life 
that says, I trust Jesus with all my heart. Kids need to see us serve. They need to see us pray. They need to see us read our Bible. They need to hear us tell their, our story. And they need to see us take steps of faith because that's the only thing that defeats the enemy. If we live mediocre, just lives that don't put out trust in God, then they will never trust in God. They will trust in their logic. They will trust in, in, in their own understanding, but they will never take that step that says, God's telling me to do something. I don't know where it's coming from. I don't know how it's gonna happen, but God is gonna do it. My kids have seen this. We moved here without a job. And my kids understood that we were coming to obey God, to take care of our parents. He provided a way. My kids have seen it before in my, in my previous <clears throat> ministry experiences where I, I had to take steps of faith. And my kids saw when I fell and I had this, this, uh, this breakdown, mental and emotional breakdown, they saw God take care of me and come out of it. And today my kids serve the Lord and I, I, the only credit I take is that God's grace was there the whole way. Yeah. <clears throat> the only chance our kids have is you and me. The only chance our kids have. So parents, answer the call. Answer the call to become disciple makers. And parents, bring your kids and invite other parents and their kids here. We're gonna make sure that we provide the best environment possible for our kids. And if you see something we can make better, help us know, because we're gonna do everything we can to make it the best environment in the city for kids to become disciples of Christ and to parent, partner with parents. And we're gonna continue to do everything we can to reach this next generation. Will you pray with me? Will you stand with me, please? God, I believe that you are today challenging us all to go to the next level of commitment to make disciples of our children and our students and to see their lives become full of faith and full of confidence and full of trust in Jesus Christ. Lord, it's not about us, it's about you. And I pray that you help us, Lord, to raise up little and big warriors for you. And Lord, they'll, they'll only become what we are. They'll only become what we commit to. And so, Lord, I pray right now that we would all commit to a life of faith in Jesus Christ. Someone who commits to follow you with our whole heart and our whole mind and our whole, whole heart. And, Lord, that we would communicate that same commitment to our kids, to our grandkids. And that we would see these little hearts become big hearts full of you. And I thank you and I praise you for that. Maybe you're here today. And you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but you want one. I just want to encourage you right now. You have the opportunity to say yes to Jesus because he loves you. He died for your sins and he rose again the third day to give you hope for eternal life. And if that's you and you want to accept Christ today, will you just pray this little prayer after me? Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I accept the work you did on the cross. And I believe that that work made provision for me to have forgiveness of my sins. So I accept that forgiveness right now. And I believe that you were raised from the dead, which allows me the promise of eternal life. And I accept that today. And I commit to follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. 
Thank you for giving us the opportunity to join your journey. And I hope the message made a big difference in your life. And if it did, we just encourage you to go to journeychurchventura.com and let us know. Also, be free to share this message with your friends and family. We just love to impact as many people as we can. Once again, thank you for joining us at Journey Church Ventura.